live from a high-speed conveyor belt at the UPS Worldport in Louisville, Kentucky, and brought to you by Laughing Husky Dog Sleds, the premier builder of handcrafted dog sleds for all your mushing needs. Laughing Husky. I'm Delmon. And I'm Alicious. And this is EQ2 Talk. Starring Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker. Harrison Ford as Han Solo. Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia. With Anthony Daniels as C-3PO. Peter Mayhew as Chewbacca. R2-D2 as R2-D2. Jones as the voice of Darth Vader. Introducing Chewbacca's family. His wife, Mala. His father, Itchy. His son, Lumpy. With special guest star, Beatrice Arthur. Mark Carney, Diane Carroll, the Jefferson Starship, Harvey Corman, and an animated Star Wars story on the Star Wars Holiday Special. This is episode number 37, and we are recording on December 23rd, 2011. And Allie, why don't we still have theme music? I've been busy trying to fill the world with silly love songs. And what's wrong with that? I'd like to know. So Allie, what have you been up to recently since our last recording? Well, actually, I've been working up a second tune to raid with. Um, a brigand that I've had for a long time. And uh, so I'm working her up to level 90 and trying to get some AAs because there are a bunch of people who go on alternate raid nights and I don't want to lock Allie out of anything. So I have an alternate tune that I'm working on. What made you choose the brigand? Uh, because she is probably the most useful of my alts. I guess I'm just a little surprised that you chose yet another scout and didn't, say, go healer or fighter or something like that. Well, I have those other options, but I asked my raid leader what he thought would be the best one to work on for this group, and he said the brigand would probably be good. So I'm working on her. It doesn't matter. I'm equally uncomfortable with all of them. So So I'm kind of starting from zero. It's a little scary, but um, it'll be an interesting challenge. So what have you been up to, Del? So I've been uh, I've been dabbling a little bit in the age of dentistry. Well, someday I'd like to be a, a dentist. And, you know, having a good time with some of the new features in there. I've also recently joined another guild. My last one, unfortunately, a little bit of turmoil and it started to break apart. So I uh, took the opportunity to move to a, a new one and... Uh, going through the same learning curves that we talked about in the past. Uh, but it's been really good uh, getting involved in some raiding again, 
a little bit new content that I hadn't seen before. So that's all exciting. And, and again, playing a lot of the AOD stuff and working on my mission achievement. I'm closing in on 2,000 missions done for the last achievement in the quest category. Is that the last of that, uh, the last level of that category? So help me, Brel, that it is. <laughs> it's the only one I can see in the window. So I hope that it is. Been working hard at it. You can do like about nine a day if you do the daily mission runs through Destiny of Velius. Unfortunately, back in the day, I lost 333. I don't know if you remember when I talked about that, mm-hmm. but set me way back. I would be at 2000 already if not for that feature, but working on it and I'm closing in. Hopefully, you know, it'll get there soon enough. Well, that's a pretty big accomplishment, 2000. Yeah, it's a lot of missions. It's a lot of missions if you think about it. Uh, and I'll be happy when I get that. So that'll give me a little bit of permagrin. Now, you talked about your raid guild, uh, joining a new guild. This is, what, your third guild in the past year? Yeah, something like that. I, I certainly don't want to give the impression of being a guild hopper. Right, no. I, I'm certainly not that. Unfortunately, you know, evolution in game. Uh, guilds rise and they, they fall a little bit in this most recent one. Um, we're having attendance problems. Some of the core people get tired of doing the same thing over and over again. So a bunch of them jumped over to another guild that pretty much took our three groups and cut it down to, to two. Everybody else kind of saw the writing on the wall. So we all just started moving on. I I think it's just par for the course in game right now. Uh, there's always expansion and then there's some sometimes contraction in the raiding guilds. And I've moved to another one. I'm pretty happy there. It's only been there a couple of weeks and, but I'm still figuring it out. Uh, it just happens, though. It just seems to go that way at times. Yep, yep. I've seen it myself several times. And I think this time I, I read the writing on the wall sooner than later. Mm-hmm. Sometimes in the past I've been the one to turn off the lights, the proverbial lights in the guild hall. That's kind of a bummer. It is. So this time I looked around and immediately said, you know what? Unfortunately, I think this current guild's not going to make it. So it's time to move on, and, and, I, and I pulled the trigger quickly this time. I think if there was one lesson I learned from last time, don't sit around till the very end to be that last guy out. Well, I hope you uh, enjoy the new guild. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you know, something new is always exciting. When it, when it has that new car smell, it's <laughs> always fun, right? Meeting new people, learning new tactics, that sort of stuff, again, all very exciting. So we had some email this week, didn't we? Yes, we do. We have a couple of emails. You want to take the first one? Certainly. And the first one is from Tang. And Tang, in his subject line, writes, ARG. I just caught up with you guys at the EQ2 Talk podcast, and I'm slowly working my way backwards. It's great to hear both of you talking about the stuff that is relevant to EQ2 players specifically. Now, I have a handful of characters, level 90s for the most part, and this is the first I've heard of Fluffy.dk. So, of course, the first thing I did when I had a chance was stroll over and check it out. Now, I'm a reasonable fella and somewhat literate when it comes to these computer thingies and the interwebs. But I was surprised there wasn't any kind of forum or walkthrough on how to use this great tool. Do you know of any walkthroughs for beginners? I'd like to show this to a couple of people as keeping track of the Quest Journal online is a great idea, especially since it auto-updates. But what do you do when it says Quest List Not Updated? Is there a way to update all of the current journals in mass? What I have done with one of my tunes was highlight each and every quest on my completed page, and since I, too, have been playing for about eight years now, well, there were plenty. Any quick way of going about this stuff? 
Of course, if you have any suggestions or a walkthrough of your own, I'd love to see it. Otherwise, I'll be trying to make my own up so that I can present this as the cool tool that it really is. I'm not in one of those guilds with 9,000 people in it. Actually, we are less than 50 active tunes, including alts. But if I'm going to show someone something, I want to do it right, you know. Any help from your end of the wire? Signed, Tang. So, Ali, do you have any suggestions on using the Fluffy.dk tool? Uh, yes, actually. Well, I was going to comment on this particular tool being a fan site. The Fluffy site, I believe, started in the same way a lot of other fan sites did, which is basically a player doing something for themselves. Uh, and it turns out to be something great for other people. And so they ended up sharing it. Um, but they maybe didn't want it to turn into a job. So maybe that's why there aren't any forums. Um, and that's just my guess. But I know Fluffy is a regular visitor to the SOE Quest Forum. So if you have a question, a specific question about the the UI mod, which I think is what you're asking about, um, you could pose it there or actually look for the answers. And I did answer Tang directly with some helpful hints about that. There are some quirky things about the game and, and updates that happened that made the tool stop functioning in the same way. Um, but Fluffy came up with a workaround, and it works for quests going forward. But unfortunately, going backward, you have to input them yourself one by one. Um, but once you do it once, it's done. If you have a specific question, I would go to the forums because I know Fluffy is still active. Yeah, I know inserting them all by hand might seem like a daunting task, but it might also have a side effect or side benefit for it, is that you might find ones as you're putting them in there one by one, ones that you've missed or ones you've quest you've maybe never heard of that you want to go back, research, and maybe do that you might have missed along the way. So doing it the uphill both ways methodology might be slower and a little bit more arduous, but it might highlight a few quests that you might have missed along the way as you were adventuring. Yeah, and especially if you take one zone at a time, you just start alphabetically and you just go, maybe tonight you put in all of the Antonica quests. And then maybe the next night, whatever is next alphabetically in your quest journal. And one piece at a time, it won't be quite so difficult. But it is a fantastic tool. And I think both you and I, Ali, as hardcore questers would agree we wouldn't be anywhere we are today without that tool. Right. And I only use it on Ali. I have many alts, but I don't really track their quests so maybe that's why it's not so difficult for me because i'm only tracking one tune i would not really know where to begin with <laughs> 13 other <laughs> characters that's too much yeah i'm the same way i only take care of delmon through it myself so we have another email here from ukabi and ukabi writes tis the season of giving well it will be soon anyway and that, coupled with something you were talking about during your apple-picking episode, made me start thinking and feeling just a bit guilty. Since starting to play EQ2, I've benefited a lot from other people's knowledge, some in-game, but mostly from some of the fan sites. These players have put so much time and effort into their sites, and I've used them to such a degree I couldn't even begin to imagine how I would have gotten along without them. Early on, I made some random PayPal donations, but I hadn't done that for ages, so tonight I made the rounds. 
I noticed, by the way, that there isn't one on the page for a certain little podcast that I also couldn't do without. Thank you for reminding me how valuable these sites are and how much I would miss them if they were to go away. Signed, Ukubi. So, Dell, did you have any thoughts about Ukubi's email? Yes, yes. Uh, first, thank you very much for the very kind thoughts. It, it, it's good to hear that uh, you couldn't do without us. That warms my heart a little bit. Uh, but one thing I would say that you know we're very proud of is that we haven't had a uh, donate button and we haven't had any banner ads on our website. We do kind of fund it out of our own pocket, but we're okay with that. And I think I'm very proud to say that we haven't had to, to resort to those uh, over the year to, to keep the site going. One thought that did come to me was if you are interested in, in making a donation for EQ2Talk, what, what I would ask would be to uh, visit the childsplaycharity.org website, the Child's Play Charity, and make a donation on there. Uh, kind of a, a pay it forward a little bit. You know, take a look on there, find a, find a children's hospital that's maybe near where you live or maybe near San Diego where uh, SOE is located and, and make a donation that way. That will go far more than making a donation to us. I agree. The Child's Play Charity does a lot of great work, and there are a lot more needy people out there than Dell and I. Although I can be extremely needy at times, but not in this case. So, yeah, take a look <laughs> at that website, and I think a donation, if you're still interested in donating, that would be a great cause to give to. So our next email is from Doreth, and Doreth writes, Greetings. First, a big thank you for your work on the show. Two questions. Question the first. Often I hear about people who have leveled up an alt character, but that character is deficient in alternate advancement. What constitutes an acceptable number of AAs for someone to visit Velius for the first time? Question the second. Myself and three other friends have recently begun playing again after a several-year absence. The last expansion any of us played before we left was Kunark. Now that we're playing again, we can all level up to 90, and we're mostly there, but none of us have Velius. We no longer raid, but we do like instances, and for some odd reason we've all taken to crafting. Because the upcoming expansion does not include any previous expansions, we'll probably skip it and pick up DOV instead. What advice do you have for people about to experience Velius for the first time? Thank you in advance, and keep up the good work, Dorath of the Everfrost server. So, Ali, any thoughts on what Dorath has to say? Yeah, um, I'll take the first question first. Um, what's an acceptable number of AA for someone about to visit Velius for the first time? Depends on what you're doing. If you're just, if you're not raiding, I think it, that's the litmus test. If you're raiding, you probably have a minimum that you need. But if you're not raiding, I would just say whatever feels right. I don't think there's a minimum amount that you need. If you feel like you're dying a lot when you do a couple of quests in there, you might want to go back and get some more AAs and beef yourself up a little bit. But if you're not having trouble, just let it happen. There's nothing stopping you. This question has always posed for me a little bit of a challenge because I'm never sure what the right number is. Is there a rule of thumb? And I think, too, it might vary from class to class. And I, like you say, Ellie, what, what, what are you doing that you, you need these AAs? Are you doing instances? Are you just doing the overland content? Are you just mainly trade skilling or something like that? So it's so hard to say to put a, 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 an exact figure out there. I would say if you got there probably in the, the 200-ish range, you're probably doing pretty good. 
but I don't want to say, oh, you can't go there until you have 201 or something, because if you don't have 201, then it's an absolute fail. It, it all depends on what you're doing and how fast you're going and how, how complementary uh, the classes are together who are grouping. Yeah, I would even go so far as to say you don't even need to worry about AAs at all unless you're rating. I would say 200 minimum to raid, but I would even go to 20. Um, but if you're not raiding, I don't see any reason to worry about it. They'll come eventually. Just go with what feels right. If you're dying a lot, look at what you're doing and maybe change a few things up. I, I know that's kind of lame of an answer, but I don't think AAs should prevent you from going to Bellias at all. Just go. Check it out. It's fun. I absolutely agree. I have always said levels are more important than AAs, and AAs come as you level. And I think AAs enhance your character, but it's levels that make your character. Yeah. So whatever you have with when you get there, that's how many you have. And if you're successful, you can be. Uh, I, I'm just saying if in the course of normal adventuring, my guess is you're in the 200 range. That's a guess. Uh, maybe mm. maybe you got there a little faster during some double XPs or some mentoring or, or didn't hit as many named characters along the way. But that's just a guess on my part. I don't know, really. I've always been max, I guess, because by the time I get to that next expansion, I've already maxed out. So the second question is uh, about advice going to Velius for the first time. First of all, I want to say I'm glad you and your friends are back after several years. Something drew you back and don't know what it was, but if it was Velius, that's awesome. Um, Velius, to me... The most important thing was reading the quest text because I felt like I raced through the previous expansion and missed out on a lot of the story. So I would say read the quest text, pay attention to the different factions and what they're saying and what, what's behind their, you know, what's their, their reason. Uh, you said also that you're interested in doing instances. You can work through those gradually there's no need to race through everything um and you know get a feel for the progression of the instances and don't miss the public quests uh you have a group of people you're with you can probably do both the public quests in bellius and uh enjoy yourselves there's a lot to check out absolutely Ali. i agree 101 percent with you you actually stole my thunder to me, the best part of Elias, I thought, when I, especially when I landed there, when I first got off the docks, is the storyline. It's fantastic. The quests are well written. Uh, they they take you through the story of why things are the way they are, especially if you're an EverQuest 1 player, and some things don't look just like they used to. Definitely read the quest text. And I would say follow them a little bit in an orderly progression. And they the team has done a nice job of laying them out that way. So as you're moving along, you're seeing things and what you're reading makes sense for what's going on around you. Uh, so absolutely, reading the quest text, most important thing, and I think you get the best enjoyment out of Velius by understanding why you're doing the things that you are and why things look the way they do and why are all these giants and where are they all coming from. So there's a lot that, and the public quests tie that in, and as you move into Thurgoodin and all that, those quest stories and and the heritage quests that you get involved in really tie the expansion together very nicely. So I've always been a fan of reading the quest text. I know some folks aren't. They just like to click the top answer and go. But certainly in Valius, it's very well done and very well worth the time to, to pause and read. 
Well, the other thing is uh, Dorat says that he or she and their group of friends uh, have all taken to crafting. There's also uh, the trade skill timeline uh, of quests to follow. So don't forget about those. Culminating with a heritage quest as well, so we won't spoil it right there, but there's some really great crafting quests in there as well. Our last email comes from Bill, and his subject line is, I didn't leave EQ2, it left me. I wanted to write you a quick note to give you one player's perspective on the big changes for EQ2. As you can probably tell from the subject of this email, I'm not enthusiastic. Still, I'm glad free-to-play has finally happened. It's been like waiting for the other boot to drop ever since EQ2X was launched. I knew it was coming. I just didn't know when. I've decided to leave EQ2 and everything from SOE over this. I had been playing since EverQuest Kunark and had spent countless hours in Norath. I'm just worn out. I can't keep ignoring the stupidity from the top, let alone the poorly thought out fixes, the constant changes of staff, of direction, of focus. I just don't want to support what I see coming next. I fear that we're going to see only minimal effort put forth on anything which isn't purchased through Station Cash. Encounters will be balanced toward people having items which are available from the Station Cash store, which will force more players to pay extra just to remain even with everyone else. Loot will continue to be colorless and dull, like it has been since Station Cash came out. If you want to have an interesting-looking character, you need to pony up the cash. The team working on EQ2 seems to have no interest in feedback. Beta testing is a joke. Things get pushed directly out to live, buggy, and half-baked. There's just no excuse for such shoddy design and implementation. The perfect example of this is the changes made to gear. Itemization is still in horrible shape, gear is dull, cookie-cutter, and stats on pieces look like they were assigned by throwing darts at a wall. I don't have any faith in Smokejumper to lead the team. From everything he's said and written, we radically differ on how the game should be run. And though I haven't worked on MMORPGs, I have worked on both Dungeons & Dragons and the Star Wars RPG, so I do understand a bit about what makes a good game. Under his leadership, SOE has released the most useless and worst-selling EQ2 expansion ever. I think we're seeing this game's death knell. I hate to leave my EQ2 friends, guildmates, and the world of Norath, but I also can't stand to watch what's being done to it. I want to get out while I still have more good memories than bad. I hope I'm wrong, but I doubt it. Signed, Bill. P.S. I plan to continue following the podcast, regardless of whether I play. I love the show, and you do a fabulously entertaining show. So, Del, do you have any words of wisdom well, yeah, first, uh, thank you very much to Bill uh, for the very kind comment at the end. And he has a lot to say. And I'm not sure if I have any words of wisdom, but I, I can certainly see where he's coming from in a, in a lot of his points. When we had Smokejumper join us in the last show, uh, certainly I was uh, very jazzed and very excited and looking forward to AOD when it first came out. And, you know, here we are a couple of weeks into AOD, and, you know, I think we've seen some of the rougher edges of AOD, some things that make you go, I can't believe that slid through or that happened. So I'm choosing not to dwell on those too much. I'm 
taking him for what he said, that they have a lot of polish planned for this next year. And I'm hoping that polish will smooth out some of those rough edges and make the game a lot more exciting, at least for me. I think that's a good tack. Um, I do think there is one thing behind Bill's feeling here that maybe is not the right direction. I don't think it's that the team doesn't have an interest in feedback. I think they definitely have an interest in feedback. I don't think it's that they are trying to do something that's counter to our mission as players. I think we're all in the same direction. It's just getting there is difficult. Um, I think they have good intentions and I guess that's why I'm still here. I feel like they are still driven by their mission to make great games. I think the execution isn't 100%, but I don't think the effort is less than 100%, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it does. And going back to my term, the, the, the unpolished edges, I think they have a good foundation through Dungeon Maker and Dungeon Finder and Mercenaries and Beast Lords. There's still some refinement that needs to be done in there to make it super slick. I, I think so the, the the building blocks are being put in place. I think they need now to come back and tweak some of the things that now that it has gone live and a lot of players are starting to consume that and seeing some of those edges, they need to smooth those out a bit. Yeah, I think it's more than that that Bill is talking about. I, obviously, he's talking about that among other things. This idea of station cash being the driving force behind the content. I don't know that it is going to happen the way that he predicts that it might. I hope it doesn't happen that way. Um, I hope that the effort put forth on content to players without paying station cash is 100% going forward. I don't think it will be less than 100%. I guess I I think maybe there's reading into intentions based on things that we see. Like I do agree that in the station cat in the marketplace some of the heritage armor crates those things are amazing. They are absolutely amazing looking. We don't see that in regular armor that you get in-game from questing and drops and things like that. But, you know, we didn't see those things before, I guess. We didn't have those things before. So I guess I don't really feel like I'm losing anything because it wasn't taken away from me. I never had it to begin with. Um, and maybe that's not a, maybe that's not a good answer. <laughs> uh, and maybe some people don't like that. I guess my answer to the Station Cash thing is... If you don't want anything to do with it, just don't look at it. I don't think that's maybe the answer Bill wants to hear, but that's the only one I can come up with. Well, I do agree with Bill's comment about I do, and I still do fear the sort of thousand truths that we talked about a couple shows ago. Yeah. There will be at some point an item that is the gotta have widget, whatever it might be, and I don't know what it is or, or, tool or speed up thing or whatever thing 
that I'm absolutely positively going to have to need to be successful in game. So I do still fear that a little bit. Now, again, it hasn't come to fruition and it hasn't happened today, but I guess I'm just looking down the road the way things have gone in the past, that moving of the line of what is fluff versus what affects gameplay a little bit more each time, those baby steps. Eventually there's going to be a giant leap or there'll be enough baby steps that it will equal a giant leap. And I guess that's what I'm afraid of. I think that we have to feedback. And I know one of Bill's complaints is they don't have an interest in feedback. I think they have an interest. I don't think they have been paying attention well enough or giving an avenue well enough for people to give feedback and feel like they are being heard. I think that Smoke Jumper knows that, and I think that he wants to make changes to that going forward. Uh, whether they'll actually do that or not is another question, and if you're if you're willing to wait around and see if that actually happens. Giving our feedback as players on what we think of the changes being made or the direction the team is taking the game, that's important to do and to continue doing and to continue asking for the floor to do that, asking for the venue to be able to, to give that feedback. Um, but it's, it's up to them to pick up the ball and, and actually listen to the feedback and put it into action. Yeah, I think where Bill's coming from, and I, I have a little bit of that feeling as well, is the feedback today seems to be a very one-way street, or at least it appears to be a one-way street. We put it in there or we post it to the forums. And there's very little bit that comes back or there's very little conversation that is initiated from the home office to the consumers, although maybe we have had that and we have bitten the hand that feeds us, the, the Insta90 thread, as an example. And, uh, not the topic, not the specific topic, but the way that the discussion went. He posed a question, and then players went in every which way direction, up, down, left, left, right, center, backwards, over the hill, through the woods, and they just twisted and turned it. So I wonder sometimes if, if we as players have bitten the hand that feeds us a little bit like that. We want that two-way feedback. We want that conversation. But it's overwhelming when they come to us because there's so many of us and so few of them, perhaps. Yeah, that's a good point. And people in forums have a tendency to say whatever comes to mind in a knee-jerk fashion sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I think I want to give feedback, and I want to hear them say, Yes, no, maybe so. I think back to our conversation with him when you asked about the warped wood, you know, and he came back with a, well, if we did this, we would have to do that. Right. And I love that answer because that gives me an answer. Exactly. It, tell, it tells me no and it tells me why no. Because mm -hmm. you wouldn't like, you wouldn't like it if we did that because then we'd have to make every encounter harder right. and get assumed that you had that. And I really like hearing the reason why. And it's due to balance, and I appreciate that. So what you got was you got feedback on your feedback. Right, but not every player can have Smoke Jumper in a conversation. That is true. That is true, and that's, that's the challenge, though. So I don't know how they solve that problem necessarily, because you're right. You can't have one-on-one -on -one interactions with every player who plays the game or writes the forms or something like that. It did give us at least that feeling when we walked away as somebody's listening. Mm -hmm. We had a certain venue and an avenue to pursue that. Somehow, I think SOE needs to do take a look at that and say, how do we provide that venue of a one-to-a-many conversation such that we don't get overwhelmed with noise? 
And I don't know, I don't know if there's a simple one-line answer to that problem, but it would be nice. It would I think be nice. Feedback yeah. on feedback is important because then at least it tells us they are listening and they are thinking about it. When we send it in there via the slash feedback, you don't know if anybody ever does read that. It just seems, you know, from a consumer point of view, it goes into a, a black hole and you don't know. Well, I am glad to hear that Bill will continue listening to the podcast. And maybe if he actually does leave the world of Norath, maybe we can entice him back in the future. Maybe we'll have cookies someday. Maybe. Delmon-shaped cookies. Well, they would definitely be double stuffed. <laughs> so, Del, what did you wish you knew when you were a noob? Well, I found this the other day because I was trying to invite somebody to a voice chat that I had created. And uh, I am not good at remembering command lines. But I found if you uh, hit V and bring up the little voice box window... In the clear space, if you right-click in there in the middle, uh, there will come up a context menu, and you can invite person to chat. And it'll bring up a little dialog box, and you can type their name. So I don't have to remember, is it slash voice inviter, slash voice inviter, vice invite voice, or whatever the hell it is. I can just go in there, click, and type in their name and have them join me in the voice chat. I think that's a great little thing. Wish I had known that sooner because I struggle so much with command lines. Oh, with the slash mans, whether or not there's a space. <laughs> oh, forget about it. That, why do you think I don't form raids? Because I can't <laughs> get that either. Allie, what about you? What did you wish you knew? Well, um, actually, this came up on a recent raid where we wiped. I saw something I'd never noticed before. Some people die face up and some people die face down. I thought that was really strange. So I asked my husband, did you ever see this? Some people die face up and some people die face down. He says, yeah, well, it turns out that it's males die face down and females die face up. I found that very strange. I wonder why that is. I wonder as well. I can think of many reasons, but I'll keep them to myself. I, I'm sure it's X-rated. That's why I'm keeping it to myself. <laughs> but it is interesting that the two genders each die in different ways. Well, technically, they're not genders. They're sexes, but people okay. don't like to say that word. So they, they, they replace sex with gender. Okay, and there's something else I wish I knew. <laughs> As it is the Frostfell season again, Allie and I, we've both been working on our lists for Santa Glug for this year, hoping that we have both been nice and not so naughty all the time. So we thought we'd share our Frostfell wish lists with everybody this year. And, uh, Allie, why don't you start out with what you first put on your wish list this year? The first item on my Frostfell wish list this year is I'd like to see fixes to itemization that got screwed up when they went back to re-itemize. I know it's unrealistic to hope for perfection, but I really hope we see some progress on a regular basis and an ongoing basis until those things are smoothed out. And I know players are still feedbacking and bug reporting those things. So I really hope the team makes an effort to remember to fix those things. Yeah, I agree. I hope that it doesn't become a low priority item with the AOD stuff that's out there now, uh, because some of those still can be a little bit of a thorn when you run into an item that's a little misconfigured and doesn't really apply or something like that. Yeah, my big worry is that the further we get away from it, 
more acceptable those things become. People forget what an item was supposed to be originally. And once it continues on, it's going to continue on forever. I just don't, I don't want those things to stay in the game. It ends up becoming a a lower priority on the fixed list. Mm -hmm. So Del, what's your first item? Well, as you remember, we had Smoke Jumper join us in episode 36, and he kind of outlined some very high-level goals that he had for himself and the rest of the EverQuest 2 team for 2012. And I really hope that he sticks to what he said. And, you know, a couple of those where he talked about having more polish on things. And as I was saying earlier, I agree there are certain things that came with AOD that, while they are a good foundation, there's still a lot of room for improvement and fixing. Uh, some things seem to just be built on previous architecture that we've already had in game, like Dungeon Maker and Trade Skill Apprentices. I'm hoping a lot of that gets smoothed out, cleaned up, uh, enhanced, and gives us a lot more flexibility going forward. Uh, another one was he talked about the known issue threads. Uh, he did a really great job, I thought, when Dungeon Finder was going through testing of listing here are the things that we know about are broken and here's what we're working on to fix next. I, I hope that he continues to do that, especially in AOD where there's been a lot of things like that, that they are telling us these are the things that they recognize as broken and that, that what they are working on so that we have players can either stop bugging them over and over again and are aware that changes are coming so that we can adjust our play to say, you know what, I'm not going to work on that because I know it's just going to get tuned or tweaked a little bit later. I'll wait till it's done. So I, I think that sort of communication from the home office back to players is really good. Uh, he talked about in-game polls. We haven't seen any of those yet, uh, but hopefully starting in the new year, as they're soliciting that feedback that he, that they're asking us, and as I challenged him in the podcast, publish the results, because I'll admit, first one to line up in the conspiracy theory aisle here is myself, if they don't publish those results. And finally, EQ2 players. We know it's real close. We haven't seen it yet, so hopefully, uh, hopefully in January, right after the new year, we will get to see... Uh, some new stuff coming to EQ2 players. And another thing about EverQuest2.com, I'd like to see a little bit more original content up there, uh, a little less rehashing about what's new in Station Cash this week or uh, advertising webcasts about Free Realms, as an example. You know, stick to EverQuest2 news. Uh, do more than just marketing and press releases. Advertise fan sites. Advertise new features. Uh, links to really cool write-ups in the forums or YouTube videos that folks have made. So I think that EverQuest2.com and EQ2Players.com, whatever those might both might be, really looking forward to seeing what they can do with those in the new years, and I hope they're as, as snazzy as I'm hoping they'll be. Yeah, I definitely agree with you about the EverQuest2.com site, that um, it should include more more things about what the players are doing. There is a huge role-play community, uh, there are events that players run, housing, house decorating, you know, people post up their pictures all the time. Maybe something like we've seen way back, way back in the past, uh, where they pull the best of the forums. They pull the best of, you know, things that's, that are going on in the game and, and like you say, promote fan sites. So, you know, uh, obviously we would like that, but, you know, it, it just would be beneficial to build a better community using that tool to enhance the community 
Absolutely. If you remember the old Town Crier or Community Chess features, bringing those back. And I'd love to see them do like a little featurettes on Bet You Didn't Know type of things. Oh, yeah, that sounds neat. I'd love to see, you know, it could be something meaningless like Bet You Didn't Know that Beast Lords, the most popular race is Karen's. And I, I don't know if that's true or not. I'm just making that up as a suggestion. But little Bet You Didn't Know type of facts about the game or the most common AA is this or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. just little tidbits about the game or what's, what's going on or this is the quest that has been done by the most players or, or something like that. Yeah, that sounds neat. I like that. should feedback that. So what was next on your Frostfell wish list? The next thing, this might be rehashing a bit, things we've heard people request before. We've heard people request a key ring. Um, I'm, I'm, I want a key ring, or I want, more specifically, key flagging. I know you can use keys from your bank, and you don't have to carry them around in your inventory, but I think these quest items shouldn't have to take up any bag space at all, especially keys, because that's something you can flag, be flagged for. I know that uh, most of the newer quests and keys, they don't stay in your inventory, but a lot of the older quests don't work the same way, and uh, it would really be nice to see some cleanup in that area. Yeah, I agree, especially where we are in the game today. Bank space can be such an issue because we have so many items and whatnot. Uh, If they could take some of those and, like you say, ringify them or flagify them, whatever the correct term might be there, so that we can get these items out of the bank and out of, say, maybe the database a little bit and put them somewhere else so that they're not occupying space that we can put uh, more cloaks and more hats in that I have so many of. Yeah, and more house items. More house items. <laughs> I like that. I think that's a good one. And I think, too, if there was some way within game to to light them up or feature them so that we can see which ones we have and maybe which ones we don't have yet or something like that as well. Yeah, more like maybe how we have the um, the lockout window to show what zones you're locked out of. Maybe a window that shows you what things you're flagged for. Like a checkbox list or something. Something maybe tied to the character window. Yes, something. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So, Del, what's the next thing on your list? Well, the next thing I have on my list is something I have definitely brought up in the past. I'm going to continue to bring it up again. Uh, It's better documentation. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of things in game that need documentation. Uh, and, and certainly it doesn't have to be written. I think YouTube video tutorials are fantastic as well. But you think of all the new features, not content, but features that we got with AOD, I'm talking dungeon making and trade skill assistance and mercenaries. They're all features, but we as players were kind of left to the wolves to figure them out on our own. I, I think SOE could do a, a lot better job in providing either written documentation on how things work or video walkthroughs, explanations. I'd love to see a developer you know, say, hey, here's me building a dungeon, and here's how some of the tool set that we put in there really work. I know they did some of it in the webcast, but it wasn't really formalized. It was kind of like ad hoc. I'd really like to see somebody you know, looking over their shoulders as they narrate something as it's recorded, saying this is how you place things, see how you spin or size and resize or things like that. I think they could do a lot more in that space to help players get going. I think we spend a lot of time as players trying to figure it out. And while that may have applied to MMOs of the past, I don't know if Joe Sixpack player wants to spend a full night just figuring out how to place one mob in a dungeon so he can start making a dungeon maker. I think he wants to get in and get going. He doesn't want to have to do lots of homework and lots of research to figure it all out because frustration level builds up or 
exhaustion or distraction, and then it gets lost. So I, I think better better documentation, be it written or video or podcast or narrated or something, would go a lot way to promoting their game because I think it would get people, get them in and get them going faster. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I wonder if, you know, I haven't looked at the help window for a long time. Uh, I wonder if there's anything in there already about some of the new features, uh, even something as simple as, you know, how to make a video and post it. I haven't looked, but that would be, if it's not there, that would be the place to put some of that written documentation. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, I would almost hazard to say it isn't. And I think maybe my, my saying that is just as, as much reason why it needs to be done. In the past, help has not been that good. So help would be the last place I would probably look <laughs> for something, right? Because I, it has a track record in the past of not being helpful. It very well may be in there now, but I've already unfortunately built up that, well, it's never helped me before. Why would it help me now mentality? Sort but, of like tooltips? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Just like tooltips. You don't uh, bother mousing over anything because that's completely uninformative. Right. Unfortunately, because I've already <laughs> built up that, it didn't help me the first time. So I'm, so I'm more hesitant to go back and try to look there again a second. But I think if they started enhancing it and starting it rolling, people would go back to it more. They would start to to reincorporate themselves with that. And announce it on the EverQuest2.com site. Exactly. Get the word out there about it so people know to go look for it. You're absolutely right. Uh, So what was next on your wish list? My next one is pretty simple to say, but maybe not so simple to do. I would like them to give us the option to hide flying mounts at least in indoor zones. I know that they didn't let you hide flying mounts outside because it would look really weird with somebody flying through the air and their little legs running at ludicrous speed. But at least in indoor zones where we can't fly, but they're technically somehow letting us continue on the mount, you know, like the kale zones, for example, we can't fly in there so can't we hide them? Because I am tired of hearing people complain on raids that you need to hide your mount because they can't see. I, I agree. Absolutely. If there's a roof, I think all mounts should disappear. That's my opinion. They should just poof right then and there. If there's a ceiling, you're indoors, get rid of the mounts. Be it flying or, or ground-based, my opinion, get rid of them all. Because I find them to just be distracting as well, especially in a raid scenario where you got 24 people riding things through Drunder. It's very, very distracting. Uh, put everybody on their own two feet, and we can walk. Well, the problem with that, though, is we walk really slow. We can run. We can sprint. No, sprinting takes up too much power. Well, I'm I'm on board with getting rid of them. Uh, I like running fast. Well, then keep the I speed buff. To, keep the hide. speed buff. Keep the buffs on them. Okay. Get rid of them visually. Visually? Yes. Yeah, okay. So, Del, what's the next thing on your list? Well, the next thing I had on my Frostfell wish list is the Dungeon Finder. And in the beginning when Dungeon Finder first came out, I said, no, it doesn't need to be cross-server. Single server is fine. I'm very excited for this feature. I'm dying to get into it. I use it a lot. I use it a lot. I would say I get Dungeon Found very infrequently, though. So I'm kind of of the opinion now that I think it does have to change. I think it needs to be cross-server because I think that's the only way we're going to get enough players in it to have a population large enough to support it. 
I, I have spent many an hour, and I'm talking hours on end, in Dungeon Finder waiting to get to get placed. And at some point, I, I, I never do, which is disheartening. Uh, and I think it's just because there's not enough people using it. I'll be honest, I don't agree with having a, a tune scoring system yet because there are just too many variables in there to what makes a good player and a good character and whether or not they are that zone worthy. I, I think there's just too much involved in there. But I think if at least we can go cross-server, and I'm like you say, it's probably a lot easier said than done, but I think that is going to be the only way to save Dungeon Finder, in my opinion. Uh, what was the big holdup with why they couldn't do cross-server? Well, you know, I don't know. I think because the way Battlegrounds work is Battlegrounds is its own unique physical server, I believe, its own hardware, and you get transferred over to there. Uh, would they have to build that sort of system again all mm. over? Maybe it's different. Maybe it is. I mean, there's certainly a lot of rule constraints you'd have to put in there. You're not going to be able to trade with other players, I would have to think, because you don't want people dungeon-finding oh. together. And then, hey, here's all my gold from Unrest. Now you have it over on Crushbone. Mm. Or, or something like that, or, or handing items that way. So I think there's got to be some form of, of walls around it to protect it, that we're not uh, infecting other servers with our dungeon-found groups. But I, I, I think it's the only way to get people to use this thing at this point. Uh, yeah, It, it I just hasn't so. caught on. Yeah, I, I would have to agree. Uh, but I would like to see them fix uh, this first before unleashing it upon cross-server, I guess. Oh, I agree. You got to have those walls in place first. You you just can't let the inmates run the asylum. <laughs> uh, but I think I think something needs to be done with Dungeon Fighter. I think it's a fantastic tool. It's just it didn't get a good name when it came out, and there's so many people who just stay away from it because of that now. So, what did you have next on your list? Well, I'd like to see more public quests added. I think these are a really fun thing. For people to do, they're out in the open. It's a way for people to just come together randomly, not have to group if they don't want to, um, but be involved together. It's a way for people to uh, get involved with other people on their server who there's no commitment. I really like these things. I just wish there was more of a reason to do them more more of a reward i guess so what i was thinking is maybe add some kind of super rare drop that is used in maybe one of the recipes from the new trade skill assistance uh, maybe that would make people do them more but i do think they're fun and i'd like to see more of them added i agree i certainly took a look at the low level one but i think there's some defects in it with being mentored down or something like that, the Common Lands one, so I didn't get anything out of it. I haven't seen anything in the patch notes related to it, so hopefully that gets fixed soon. Although, I, I, I'll challenge you on the super rare item. Okay. I think when it comes to the random number generator, the conspiracy theories come out the worst. So I think if you were to run them over and over again, maybe at 50, 75, or 100 times or something, then you can get that super reward. Uh, but I think just to make it random, uh, we've seen a lot of unhappy players related to the chest and weapons when those were randomly rewarded. So I think there needs to be some type of time versus random reward put in there that if you do do it a certain amount of times, hey, maybe make it an achievement. If you run it 50 times, then you get this item or something like that. 
Or you get tokens, public quest tokens, where you can buy a super awesome item after a thousand tokens or something. Absolutely, absolutely. Great idea. Great idea. I think just when it's left up to random number generator, somebody's one person does it once, they get their reward, they never go back. Mm-hmm. Some yeah. poor other suckers out there having to do it a thousand times, like you say. Well, that's a good point. That's a good point. So, Del, what's your next uh, item? That was, again, something else I have been harping on, but I'm going to harp it one more time. Maybe Santa Glug will help me out this year. It's a giant creature kill count. How can you make content whose main protagonist, the giant in this case, is not kill counted? And to quote my friends over at ESPN, come on, man. We saw the same thing happen in Sentinel's Fate. We had all these void creatures. No void creature kill count. And now here we have Velius, which is going to continue to go on for more than a year. And again, giants are still not kill counted. Why can that not be done? I, I don't think it's that hard. Now, again, this is a player talking. It just seems to be another entry in the database that counts those. We already have the mechanic to do it in other places. Why can't... Why? Why, Ali? Why can't we count, count giant kills? I have been slaughtering these things to extinction, and I deserve an achievement for it. Well, you know what? You can make a little tally mark in your notebook. And every time you kill a giant, you can make a little tally mark. And when you get to 10,000, you can write out a piece of paper and destroy your giants and put it over your head. Yes, but in real life, I, I don't know how well that will go over at, at the Christmas dinner table. I need a way to show off my giant e- EP killing streak that I have been on, and I want credit, Allie. Give me credit. Oh, I'll give you credit. <laughs> I don't know that that will get you anywhere, though. I want my 25 achievement points, damn it, or 50, oh. or I don't even know how many it's worth. I just want them. Well, maybe when I get armadillo pets, you can get a giant kill count. Fair enough, fair enough. So what's next? Is armadillo pets next? No. <laughs> um, I would like to see the trade skill assistance be utilized in the future even for even more special, unique items. I do like the recipes they have now. I'm, I finished my very first one. I'm working on my second one. And I really think these uh, will be a great thing going forward. I just hope that they continue to put interesting things into them uh, to give trade skillers something more to work toward once, once they have completed all of those recipes. And I, I think it could be a way to get the adventurer and the trade skiller together interacting more. So I really hope that those things take off and I hope that more stuff is added to them in the future. Yeah. I've been helping my trade skill assistant along the way. I got to tell you, man, he is pretty damn needy. I mean, every day I got to go over and cheer him on. And then he wants me to make him a, a tool belt or an apron. I, what do you do with the apron? I just made from like two days ago. Unbelievable, but I agree. Uh, I wish I thought though there was going to be a little bit more to these guys. They just they just seem to be research assistants with some colorful interface to them. I, well, I, I hope they do a little bit more. That's all. I I, I, I like, like them. I like them. I mean, they give you stuff when you do the quest for them. They give you a little bonus. If they give me another twenty mar cherries, I'm going to hit the roof. But there is a random chance for you to get something awesome, like a rare or one of those thingies i don't know what the table is but there's some cool things in there well it clearly says if named delmon then don't give anything cool because i've gotten a lot of wood and a lot of cherries from that guy and i don't know what he's trying to tell me well i think you just need to make sure you don't 
forget about him and do him every day. Yes, I have do his been. quests every day. I have been. I've actually done the reverse. Uh, I thought, you know what? I'll do all the level 10 stuff because those are fast so I can get the early achievement points for them and mm-hmm. then go back and do the level 90 stuff, which takes like base, I think, 15 days. And you can reduce that along the way. Yeah, I did. the. I started with the level 90 ones, uh, the one for me first, just in case. And then I'm working on the rest of them. So uh, what's your next item, Del? Well, this will be my final one because I don't want to seem too greedy. But please, SOE, if anybody's out there listening, please stop taking quests out of my journal. I worked hard to complete that quest, and then you take it away from me. Uh, You see this a lot going on over in the Tower of Frozen Shadow where all the merit quests drop out of your after your journal uh, when you go back in. Uh, so that they can give them to you again. I don't want to have to keep doing that quest over and over again just to keep it in my journal. Uh, we saw them take out a whole bunch when they revamped the uh, the lower tier writs. Uh, all of a sudden, all of those disappeared as well. I was very unhappy about that. Please, I work hard on my quests. It's something I enjoy. Please don't take them away from me. It's akin to taking raid gear away from raiders because you say, oh, you don't need that anymore, or we've revamped that item, so we're going to take it completely away from you. Please. Let me keep my quests. It would make me very happy. I totally 100 million percent agree. It's like if you're OCD and you line up a bunch of things on the table and somebody just comes along and pushes it over. I work hard to get my quest completed. I have my little checklist going. When you take things out of my quest journal that have been already completed, now I have to go back and see what you took away. Uh, it just messes up everything. And and those things should continue to count. I did them. Just because you changed the game later doesn't mean I didn't do them before. I agree, Allie. Stop taking candy from a baby. <laughs> and what's the next item on your list? Well, this is kind of a longer-term wish uh, for a new feature. I've seen the Freeport revamp, and it looks really great. Uh, but I still see people just kind of passing through town. Really want to see Kinos and Freeport become central hubs of activity. So I got to thinking, how can you get people to congregate in the cities? And I thought, what about having a new system for player-driven tasks or quests? I'm thinking of this being like a bulletin board located in Kinos and Freeport, giving players a reason to go there and congregate, um, but also sort of an added feature that gives people another outlet for their creativity. So I'm thinking like, you know how when you go into a coffee shop, you, you'll see a notice up on the bulletin board for somebody offering babysitting or a massage or somebody looking to sell their car or something like that. And there are these little tear-off sheets on the bottom. So maybe something along those lines where once all the pieces are gone, the note comes down, or maybe there's only one piece on there that only one person can take it at a time. So this this type of system might include something like, um, I need a certain amount of furniture made, or maybe I need a full set of Tier 5 Swashbuckler extra, Expert spells, uh, or maybe even like a player-written quest. And once someone takes, the, takes a little slip of paper off the notice, uh, you have a certain timeline to complete it in, and nobody else can take that task while someone has it. And if they don't complete it in the timeline, then maybe it goes back on the bulletin board. 
I really like that idea. It's kind of like a a player to player or a P to P type writ mission job kind of thingy. Yeah, like a job, I guess. And I like that because it's player to player. And you know, you're looking for something and you can get it made for you. It takes you out of having to be dependent upon live channel chat to find somebody to make a bench for you like you suggest or something like that or or a spawner or something like that for your for your dungeon maker. So you can post these things to a bulletin board and get them done and you know maybe somebody overnight makes it for you and you come back the next day and there it is waiting for you or something like that. I like right. that. Right. And there's so many, you know, trade skill spe- specializations with all the books and everything and maybe now with the trade skill assistance, some of the recipes, you know, it might be hard to find people who can make the arrows from the Battle Warped Wood, for example. Okay, so because those are made by woodworkers, but not every woodworker has the recipe because those are a faction recipe from a previous expansion. So maybe something along those lines, you know, or maybe even someone can write a quest somehow. Maybe if you can do a dungeon, maybe you can do a quest. I I don't know. Maybe not a quest. Maybe it's a a task or a job. You call it whatever you want to call it. But I feel like this there's an opportunity to get players to interact players in different aspects of the game, you know, players who are heavily trade skill and maybe a lot of solo adventure and maybe people who do a lot of, you know, raiding and grouping adventure, but not any trade skilling to interact with each other more, sort of like how the public quests do. They make you interact together. I feel like there's an opportunity to take advantage of the player's creativity and also sort of maximize the cities and make them these central hubs of activity. Absolutely. I agree. I think bringing players together is a, is a great thing. And I'm certainly looking forward to finding somebody posting uh, that they're doing guitar lessons. Cause I've certainly wanted to learn how to play guitar in game. <laughs> can you even play an instrument in game? No, but I can carry a tune. I'll be here all week. That's really bad. So how about, did you have a least favorite thing this week? I do. I do have a least favorite, and I hope this doesn't make me sound too much like a jerky, although it very well might. Uh, but I'm suffering from a little bit of uh, a little bit of BHO, Allie. BHO? Yes, BHO. Beast Lord helped me overload. <laughs> i got to be honest. I'm tired of everybody who has a Beast Lord, and I know they're having a lot of fun with them. I know they're playing with them. Help me do this quest. I need this update. Help me over here. I'm trying to do my epic... There's so many of them. I, I'm just overloaded with them, and maybe I'm being cynical, but I got a funny feeling. Half of these beast lords, and that's just a guess on my part. Half of these beast lords are going to wind up back on the shelf in three months. <laughs> you know, they're like the shiny new toy that everybody's getting at Christmas, but they're going to be disinterested with it come mid-February. So I, I'm just I'm overloaded with the "Come help me, beast lords" requests. I, I, maybe that makes me a jerky. Maybe I am. I'm tired. I'm tired of Beast Lords. <laughs> you know what? You should have rolled a, a tune, a class that is completely unnecessary. Because I don't get asked for help at all. Ever. Really? I, I'm just tired. In level channel and in, in chat, uh, you're just seeing these places all over. The, come help me, Beast Lord. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that's one thing I don't really watch level chat. It's hidden, it's tucked away. Hidden away. What is your least favorite this week? My least favorite thing is the holidays. 
holidays have reduced our raid times. Oh. <laughs> but thankfully, that's only temporary. We'll get to the swing of things after the new year. Did you have a favorite thing this week? I do, and for me, it's the exact opposite. It's to be raiding again, uh, <laughs> moving forward with the new guild. Uh, I'm excited to be in there. My last one, things had petered off towards the end. A lot of same old, same old, a lot of grinding again. Uh, it's exciting to be meeting new people, uh, seeing new encounters, killing new mobs, and taking their stuff. Uh, what about yourself? What's your most favorite right now? Well, my most favorite thing right now is the happy side effect of Dungeon Maker for me is it gives me something new to collect. Avatars and spawners. Anytime there's something is collectible i must have them all that is part of a little bit of your ocd-ness there having one of everything exactly and that's a good thing gives you something to keep striving for in a game and certainly there's a lot of them out there a lot of things to hunt for and they don't take up bag space yay so i think we have an are you smarter than a delmon this time okay a holiday edition uh not quite okay but we can call it that if you want to. All right. I'm always looking for gifts. It's a thing in a box. <laughs> so you want to explain to people what we're doing here? Sure. Step one, take a box. <laughs> uh, Allie's got a couple of categories of some trivia questions she's going to give me in a moment. I'm going to pick the category that I think I have the best chance at answering. Then we're going to go through the questions. I'm going to get a chance to choose easy mode or challenge mode. Uh, depending on how confident I feel in the question. Uh, and then we'll see how I do. We'll give us a chance to prove just how smart a Frostfell Delmon is. So, Allie, what are our categories for this week's Are You Smarter Than a Delmon? Your categories are a fan favorite, Who Am I? And the second category is The Order of Things. I'm going to go with Who Am I? Like you say, it's a fan favorite. It's a personal favorite of me and the rest of the band. So let's try that. Who am I? Frostfell. Well, it's not quite Frostfell, but we can make it that if you want to. So we got a normal mode or a challenge mode. Normal mode, you have to get two out of three. And challenge mode, you have to get flawless on all three. I've been a good boy this year, so I am going to go challenge mode. All righty. I'm an outcast with many powerful enemies. But Irelisi turned my insatiable hunger to love with a simple golden strand. While I'm imprisoned in these fiery depths, my only thought is toward my lady, the object of my unwavering devotion. Who am I? I'm going to guess Lord Nagafin. Yay! What gave it away? I would say fiery depths gave it away. <laughs> okay. Fiery depths is what gave it away, and my lady devotion. Who is? Lady Vox. Yes. And if there's good. one thing that Delmon is well-versed in is Lady Devotion. Is that right? Hello, ladies. If we get a chance to read the lore on how Nagafin ended up where he's at and how Irelisi was involved with the Golden Thread, it's a really interesting story. So number two. Dear Diary, one can never have too many baubles. That's my motto. If it weren't for those meddlesome mortals, I'd still have my slaves, my chosen. It's their fault that I had to escape to these halls. Who am I? You are Venacor. Woohoo! What gave that away? My the 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 froglock slaves. Oh, awesome. 
<laughs> Once again, mm-hmm. Delmon's all about enslaving froglocks. <laughs> and Lady Devotion. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure what I, I want to know what you're doing with froglocks. All right, number three, if you get this, it's a win. I'm so close. You are. My hand is literally shaking. I'm nervous. <laughs> That's terrifying. It's also very cold here. Oh. Once known as the Destroyer, I was the first to have wielded the harness, that which controls the Dracota. With it, I enforced the ring's will and order. Alas, my life was ended by mere mortals, but my bones are yet reanimated, controlled by some hidden enigmatic power. Who am I? You are Darathar. I am not Darathar. Ah, humbug. No? No. Are you sure? I am 100% sure. Darathar did not wield the harness first. Darathar wielded the harness later. Taranex, then. Yes, Taranex. <sighs> Hubris, Del. Hubris did you in. My overconfidence. Yes. As soon as I heard Control the Dakota, I checked out on the rest of it. Once known as the Destroyer, Taranex the Destroyer. Yeah, yeah. And he's bag of bones. He is down a bag there. of bones, yeah. Yeah, and he's uh, he's reanimated by mm, the Sleeper. Who we're, I think we're going to get to see again soon, aren't we? I don't know. Might be a spoiler. Might be. Spoiler alert. So well, I, that was pretty good. You got two out of three. Yeah, it's getting three out of three there. That was pretty good. And did you notice the common thread between them? They were all things that I knew. They were all dragons. That too. Yes. <laughs> yes, dragons. Yes. You can never have too many dragons here at the holidays. Absolutely not. Dragons, dragons are awesome. So do we have anything else for this, the 37th episode of EQ2 Talk? I think that pretty well covers it. So first, let's say thank you to everybody who downloaded the podcast. We certainly do hope that you enjoyed it. And also, let's say a big thank you to our corporate sponsor this week, Laughing Husky Enterprises, (laughs) uh, which you can find at laughinghusky.com, maker of handcrafted dog sleds for all your mushing needs. If you're into basket or toboggan, hey, maybe you're going to run the Iditarod this year. Check them out. A great company for all your dog pulling needs. (laughs) I can't tell you how many times I've been looking for a high-quality dog sled, Del. I tell you, so when you say mush, these things really take off. So next time you're in Fairbanks, Alaska, check them out there, Laughing Husky Enterprises, the premium, the best in dog sleds. If you'd like to reach us, you can do so in several ways. You can email us. I'm at Allie at EQ2Talk.com. Or I'm Delmon at EQ2Talk.com. You can reach us in-game at eq2.unrest.alicious, A-L-I-S-C-I-O-U-S. Or for myself, that's eq2.unrest.delmon, D-E-L-L-M-O-N. You can join our in-game chat channel at eq2.unrest.eq2talk. Or you can check us out over there on the Facebook, so that's facebook.com slash eq2talk, where we would love for you to love us. Or follow us on Twitter, where we are eq2talk. Hope that everybody has a safe and enjoyable holidays, and we hope to see you back here for episode number 38, and say Feliz Navidad, Allie. Feliz Navidad, Allie.
I think it's Louisville. Louisville. You sound like a yank. I am a yank. I need a red light to indicate when we're recording. Oh, shit. I'm stuffing yeah. it under the couch cushions. <laughs> okay. I have to clear my frog again. <laughs> literal, literal. <laughs> Accenting on the wrong syllable. I'm a bonehead. Maybe that'll make the froggies go to sleep. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Prospero año y feliz.